We're going to turn in God's Word this morning to Mark's Gospel and to chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. It really is good to see so many people out this morning on this glorious Lord's Day. And we can thank the Lord for the weather that he's given us at the moment. Um, We had a great week down in Port Stewart on outreach. A lot of people reached with the gospel, and we can thank the Lord uh, for that. Um, Mark chapter 10, and we'll begin to read from verse 13. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, and he put his hands upon them, and he blessed them. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again, and he said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. We'll end our reading there, and we'll bow again in a short word of prayer. Father, we do indeed thank you this morning that uh, your presence is already with us. And we pray, Lord, that you'll draw very near to everyone this morning. Father, we pray that you'll have a word for each of our hearts today. Lord, we pray that you'll speak to us and bless us from your word. And for those of us that uh, normally would be here, Lord, perhaps are on holidays today, we pray that you'll watch over them and bless them and protect them. We pray, Father, for... uh, Uh, We, Madison Parsons, this morning, at this moment, going through an operation, we pray that you'll put your healing hand upon her, restore to her full health and strength again. We pray also for the baptismal service down at Tullymore Forest this morning. We pray for our brother Kong and all the volunteers and youth and children that are uh, going through the camps down there this month, and we pray, Lord, that you will bless with the saving 
of precious souls. So Lord, we just pray now that you'll draw near this morning and uh, speak to us from your precious word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I have uh, been watching the mums and dads with young children in this fellowship over the past number of months, and I've come to the conclusion that we've got some of the best-behaved children in all of Christendom. Some of you mums must be like the Lord uh, uh, up a great while before day, maybe up at four o'clock in the morning sometimes, I think, to get your children out for church at 11 o'clock on the Sabbath day. Every single one of your children are turned out like little princes and princesses, and it really is a credit to every parent here this morning, and I think that you all deserve a medal. Of course, it's been a while since my own children were little tots, but I can still remember how difficult it was to keep the noise level down to a roar when you were sitting in the pew. And in fact, I was just saying to one of the elders not that long ago how uh, it does my heart good to see the crash full of mothers and, and little toddlers, and I believe it puts a smile on the face of God as well. You know, one mother and one father with their little children in the presence of God is the way that God intended a family to be from creation. And in fact, this is what we have here this morning in the lifeboat. And in fact, uh, this is what we have here in the opening verses of what we read together uh, this morning. We have mothers and fathers with their children coming into the presence of God. And as we see here, every single one of them were precious in his sight. And when we look at the first few verses of what we've read this morning, first of all, we see the determination here of these parents. Verse 13, it says, They brought young children to him that he should touch them. You know, Jesus had spent a considerable amount of time ministering in the north as far as Tyre and Sidon on the coasts of the Mediterranean Sea. But now he's beginning to work his way south towards Jerusalem, towards Calvary and to the cross. You know, Jesus drew large crowds no matter where he went. They were astonished at his teaching. They were bringing friends and family and neighbors, all types, all sorts of people to see him. They came in their droves bringing the sick, the diseased, the lepers, the blind, the crippled, the physically disabled, the mentally disabled, the demon-possessed. You see, no case was too difficult for him. Verse 27, with God, you see, all things are possible. He was able to feed the hungry. He was able to heal all types of infirmities because he is a great physician and has supreme authority over every dirty demonic power. These parents are aware of what is going on. They are watching him. They are blown away by his miracles. They witness the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the demonic delivered, the lost being saved. Lives were being totally transformed before their very eyes. They gaze at the lepers as they walk away, rejoicing with their skin as smooth as silk. And they hear the rumors that this Jesus of Nazareth can actually walk on water. There seems to be nothing that the superhero cannot do. They observe that when Jesus speaks, his father listens. And they declare that Jesus has done all things well. They have examined all the evidence and have decided that it is essential to get their children to the Lord. 
They know that it will be much easier to bring their children to Christ when they are small while still in their care than to try and force them to Christ as teenagers when they're in the care of the devil. The devil, you see, he doesn't wait until we're adults, until he starts to brainwash us. He's doing it every time our children turn on the television or log on to the internet. So it is essential that we counteract that and we get our children to the Lord as early and as quickly as possible. D.L. Moody once returned from a meeting and reported that there had been two and a half conversions. People thought, well, he must mean that two adults and one children, but Moody said no. He meant two children and one adult. You see, the children had all their lives to give to Christ, but the adult had just half of his life left to give. It should be top priority for every parent to get their children to the Lord. Nothing else should matter as much as making sure that your children will one day join you in heaven. Education may be important. Good exam results are important. Careers are important. But getting their names in the book of life certainly must be the most important thing of all. Parent, a GCSE, an A-level, a degree, even a PhD will not get your children into heaven So we all must get our priorities right. Hell is full of people whose parents had certainly put a great deal of time and money and effort into their education, but had done nothing for their salvation. For their own egos, some parents stress their children out by pushing them to the limit. But these parents here in this story, they're not thinking of themselves. They're thinking of their children's, and they've got their children's best interests at heart. A loving father will always put his child first. A loving mother would gladly take their child's sickness upon themselves, and I believe these parents are like that. It was customary in those days to bring a child to an elder. The blessing took the form of intercessory prayer, praying that the child would grow up to be faithful and famous and indeed full of good works. Matthew clarifies these little children as being infants, So they were actually babies and toddlers. These parents, they placed a great, great value in Christ's blessing. And of course, if you're saved this morning by Christ and continue in his word, then you will know what a blessing that is and you will want that same blessing for your children. After we have been converted by coming to Christ ourselves, the mandate of every believer is to bring as many as we can to the Lord as well. In fact, we will be very busy recruiting for the Lord's army. And that's what these parents were doing. By their actions, these parents were saying to their children that this Jesus was worth getting to know. They didn't need to get their children baptized. They didn't need to get their children confirmed. They just needed to get their children to Christ. By this stage, Jesus had already issued the open invitation to everyone to come on to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. The parents here were obeying this command. They were accepting this great invitation, but they didn't expect what was going to happen next. You see, not only did the parents have determination to get their children to the Lord, but we also see the discouragement here by the disciples. Verse 13, again, it says, his disciples rebuked those that brought them. The disciples strongly protested. They turned on these parents and condemned them so much so that the the parents began to walk away. 
But when Jesus saw what was going on, Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus then called them back. I wonder if there's someone listening in today, someone here this morning, and you have wandered far from God. Well, I want to tell you, friend, that Jesus is calling you back. And I would really plead with you to come home to the Father this morning whilst you still have time. When you're involved in the Lord's work, you see, don't be surprised when you face opposition and you are rebuked. When you're full of zeal and enthusiasm, pointing and bringing the lost to Jesus Christ and being that good soldier of Christ that God has made you and molded you to be, it's not long until someone, even other Christians, come along and discourage you. You can expect it. The devil is always behind it. The disciples are acting here like some sort of secret service, as if they have been appointed as bodyguards or nightclub bouncers with the authority to allow people in or to keep people out. Some religions are like that. Some religions think that they have the power to allow people in or to keep people out of heaven. But of course, only God has the power to do that. The disciples thought that this was a waste of the Lord's time. As far as they were concerned, Jesus was busy healing and teaching people, and they weren't going to allow that essential service to be interrupted with crying children with runny noses and smelly nappies. But they were wrong. And they were going to find out that the Lord has more love in his little finger for children than the very best of his disciples, and that those who do come to him, he will in no wise cast out. The disciples were operating some sort of triage system which sorted out people according to the urgency of their need. And to the disciples, the children were very bottom of that list. They were making a judgment on who should see Jesus and who should not see Jesus. But of course, we all know that we're all sinners and every one of us is in equal need of the Savior. And every single one of us must come to the Lord. The COVID vaccine has been dispensed to people who wanted it, depending or according to their age. But the vaccine for sin, which is essential and is the precious blood of Christ, well, that is dispensed to all who want it, regardless of their age. Titus 2 and 11 says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The disciples thought that they were some sort of personal secretaries, that it was their job to arrange the Lord's diary. But no pastor or no priest will put God in a box. Up to now, religious leaders had no time for children. But here Jesus was doing a new thing. And you know, friends, God is doing a new thing in our day. Back in February, we had a, a gospel mission uh, up in Clabby, Clabby being a 100% Protestant village. And at least 10 of the 13 people that came to the Lord were Roman Catholics. You see, God is doing a new thing. How else can you explain that except to admit that God is doing a new thing? And friends, if you're still caught up in the orange and green, then you need to catch up with God. You're either saved or lost. You're either born once or born twice. You're either a child of God or still a child of the devil. Your politics, your religion, it doesn't come into it. It was a dangerous game here that the the disciples were playing Just a short while before this, Jesus had put a curse on anyone who would cause a child to stumble or sin, fall away, or to desert the cause. Jesus had said, Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. 
To stand between God and a seeking soul was a dangerous place to be. Religion, of course, stands between God and seeking souls today. Religion will mix a little bit of truth in with a, with a whole lot of error, just enough to make it presentable, but it poisons the soul that tastes it. False teachers stand between God and seeking souls, and they will have to answer for every lie that they preach from the pulpit. All liars, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Even as parents and grandparents, we must ask ourselves, do we keep our children from coming to Jesus Christ? Now, I don't mean prevent them from coming to Sunday school or youth meetings or children's meetings, although that does happen. But I do mean by our actions and temper and tone and work commitments, the way that we might treat our wives or what we might watch on television. As parents, do we turn our children off the gospel and away from Jesus Christ for the rest of their lives? I know that there has been times in my own life that I, I wish that I could turn the clock back and rearrange and fix and change things, but I can't. As parents, we only get one crack at the whip. There is no dry runs. There is no dress rehearsals of being a parent. What you say and what you do today and tomorrow could determine where your child will be in eternity. These parents were watching Jesus just as your children are watching every move that you make. We either bring them to the Lord like these parents or we hinder them from coming to the Lord like these disciples. And if we're hindering them, it's a dangerous place to be. Parents, your children are like a sponge. They watch every move that you make. They hang off every word that you mutter. So we must constantly examine our own hearts, praying daily that God would make us better mothers and better fathers. And if you're not going to the prayer meeting, they will see that and they will determine in their own wee hearts that God is only for Sundays and they will see that he's not a priority in your life, so he will not be a priority in their lives. They are your children. But as we see here in this story this morning, we also see that they are God's children and he expects you to bring them and carry them to him in prayer. Every one of us in this fellowship this morning are an influence in the lives of little children, and we either bring them to Christ or we push them away from Christ. God forbid that we would be the reason why a child would not come to the Lord. So there was the determination of the parents, the discouragement by the disciples. We also see here the displeasure of the Lord. The Lord was furious that his disciples would even dare prevent a little child from coming to him. Verse 14, it says, Suffer or allow the little children to come unto me. Forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. You know, God is angry with the wicked every day and certainly very angry with the wicked who prevent children coming to him. Over 73 million children were prevented from growing up and coming to Jesus Christ last year because they were murdered in their mother's womb. One of these Nazi-type murder methods is to inject potassium chloride into the baby's heart to induce a heart attack, thus ensuring that the, ba the baby is dead upon delivery. A number of months ago, we had an old dog that was losing the power in its back legs. He could no longer stand up even to go to the toilet. The old thing was ready for dying, so we were left with no choice but to put the old thing down. 
But you know, old dog or not, there was tears in our house when that dog was brought home from the vet. So how can it even be possible this morning for any human with a conscience to kill an unborn baby? We, or who in fact could ever have imagined that Sinn Féin would go to the English and beg the Brits in a Westminster Parliament to introduce legislation that would lead to the murder of thousands of Irish children. We couldn't believe that. We really are living in the twilight zone. Of course, some of the unionist politicians are just as bad regarding abortion. Regarding abortion, in fact, there are Republicans and Nationalists today that are pro-life, and there are unionists and loyalists that are pro-death. So again, we can forget about the orange and green. This is purely about good and evil. Do you realize, of course, that back in the 1600s, if someone had to went around sacrificing children, they would have been arrested, declared a witch, burnt at the stake. Today, we just call them MPs and MLAs, and we throw them into government. But, of course, this is to be expected. As in the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And, you know, friends, he is coming. He is on his way. Folks, we must understand that we are never going back to normal. Normal is a thing of the past. Normal is over. What's going on at the moment is just a warm-up before the main event. And if you're still feeding yourself of BBC lies and government propaganda, maybe even sitting on the fence, then you need to get off that fence as soon as possible. The end of the world timeline has just shifted into overdrive. Christians need to start to waken up. Some of our elected representatives even refer to the murder of unborn children as health care. But how can abortion be health care when it always, always, always results in the death of a human being? This is what happens, of course, when society turns their back on God. But you know, God hasn't turned his back on society. No, no. Everything is written down at the moment by the scribes in heaven to be declared and judged on the very last day when those books are opened. Last weekend, of course, some politicians were complaining that their posters were being burned on bonfires, calling it a hate crime. But according to this book, God's word, the Bible, if those same politicians remain in their sin and pursue their evil agenda by supporting the murder of babies, they should be more concerned not about a bonfire, but about the lake of fire, because that's where they're going. And I say that out of concern for them. I say that to warn them, out of love for them. And if you love someone, you'll tell them the truth, and that is the truth from God's word. I do fear for these poor blinded servants of Satan. The Bible is very clear. We are to pray for those who are in authority. Pray that God will take the scales from their eyes, save their never-dying souls, because they will burn in hell for all, all eternity if they do not repent. Praise God, there is still hope this morning for the whosoever that calls upon his name, and that does include the politicians from every party, because finally we do see here the deliverance plan of God. Jesus said here in verse 15, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Friends, this is God's way of salvation. 
If we don't receive salvation and the gospel and Jesus Christ as our Savior and his kingdom like little children, then we'll, we'll never receive it at all. Never. But how does a little child receive the kingdom of God? Obviously, babies and infants, they can't have faith. They're too young to have faith. But Jesus says the kingdom of God belongs to them. So how can this be? Jesus blesses these little ones and nowhere in scripture does God bless those that are outside his kingdom because we know that people that are outside the kingdom are condemned already under the wrath of God right now and they are cursed just as ministers and priests who preach a false gospel are cursed. But Jesus doesn't curse these children. Jesus blesses the children here. So they must have a special place in his kingdom. We have to conclude that all babies and small children belong to God's kingdom. And God's kingdom belongs to all babies and small children. He doesn't say that these children will belong in the kingdom if they're baptized babies or circumcised babies or elect babies. Nowhere in scripture does it say that. This doesn't mean that babies are not sinners. They may be little children, but they are still little sinners, conceived in sin and shapen and infected by sin. The psalmist says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Jesus said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Paul said, There is none righteous. No, not one. So children are sinners, and the wages of sin is death. Death is the evidence of sin, and sadly, as we know, little babies do die. Even little children are corrupted and flawed and death will attack them at any point in their lives, even in the womb. But during the early period of a child's life, whether in the womb or out of the womb, it appears they are held in a state of grace which God has granted to them. If they die when in this state of grace, God gives them eternal life. He takes them to heaven and they're safe in the arms of Jesus. They may not be saved by Jesus because you've got to believe to be saved. Little children can't do that. They may not be saved by Jesus, but they are safe in Jesus. As infants, they cannot be held responsible for their choices until they reach a point in time when they become personally accountable for their actions. Only God knows when that point in time is, and it's different for everyone. But I believe there is clear evidence for this in Scripture. In Deuteronomy 1.39, only the Israelite children would be permitted to enter the promised land and claim their inheritance because they had no knowledge between good and evil. But the older generations would perish in the wilderness because of their disobedience and their unbelief. In Jeremiah 19 verse 4, the babies that were offered as burnt sacrifices to the demon god Moloch, they're referred to as the blood of the innocent. So those babies were innocent. When King David's baby son died, David arose from his mourning. He washed himself. He changed his clothes. He worshipped God. He had a meal. And he declared, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. As a believer, David knew where he was going when he died, and he knew that his child was already in heaven. God gave him the assurance that all was well and soon he would go to be with his baby again. However, when his adult son Absalom died, David had no assurance. David mourned, David wept, David cried. Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom. 
He had absolutely no assurance for Absalom's salvation. You see, his baby son was safe in Jesus, but his adult son was never saved by Jesus. Of course, we all believe that holy men of God speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, that all scripture is inspired by God and every word of God is pure. So I believe that no other conclusion can now be made. Children who die are gathered by God and brought into his kingdom. Not only that, but infant mortality rates in Bible times were very high. And it is quite probable that some of these children that Jesus blessed here died soon afterwards. So therefore, it is inconceivable that some of these children would be blessed by Jesus and a few months later die and go to hell. That would make absolutely no sense. So friends, have you ever wondered where murdered unborn babies go when they die? Well, of course they go to heaven. Have you ever wondered where children in communist China or North Korea go when they die? Well, they go to heaven. Have you ever wondered where children from Muslim and Hindu families go when they die? They go to heaven. Have you ever wondered where all those little children go that have been miscarried or stillborn go? Well, they go to heaven. Have you ever wondered about the unbaptized babies the Catholic Church told us for many centuries went to limbo? What a cruel doctrine that is. Well, of course, they didn't go to limbo. No such place exists. Same as purgatory. They went to heaven. Christian parent, if you have ever lost a child, either in the womb or out of the womb, you can be encouraged this morning. Because very soon you're going to see your children again. And if you're listening to this broadcast online or you've made the terrible mistake of having an abortion, then friend, do not despair. The God of mercy has a wonderful word for you today. If you repent of your sins, if you trust in Christ as your Savior, he'll save your soul and you can see your baby again. In the next story that we also read in this chapter, we're introduced to a rich young ruler who was a self-righteous religious Jew who claimed to have kept the law. However, he was wrong. And that young man had no place in the kingdom. Now contrast that with these children, none of whom could keep the law, but were in the kingdom. All babies enter into the kingdom of heaven by God's grace, and they do nothing to contribute to it. In fact, we all enter into the kingdom of God by God's grace and we can contribute nothing more than a little baby can. Eternal life is a gift to a baby. It is a gift to an adult. The thing is, a baby can't reject that gift, but sadly, most adults do. That's why Jesus said, there's many on the broad way. You see, it's a gift to those who are children And it is a gift to those who are like children. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Whosoever means everyone and anyone. So if you want to go to heaven when you die, you must begin that journey as a little child when still on earth. A baby or toddler is always reliant on mum or dad for everything. And so Jesus is really saying as adults, if we want to receive the kingdom of God, we must become like little children again and rely entirely upon God. Little children completely trust in their parents and adults, they must trust in their heavenly father as well. 
But a lot of the time we're just too grown up for our own good. And we constantly ignore the Father's good advice. And we just tend to do it our own way. There's only one problem with that attitude. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof is the ways of death. We also know that little children will make zero contribution around the house. We all know that. They can certainly mess up, but they can't tidy up. They can't do the dishes, they can't cut the lawn, they can't wash the car, they can't go to work, they can't even help pay the bills. And yet, when they come to mum and dad and they ask for something and we think it's a good idea, then we give it to them. But why? Why would we do that? It makes no sense. Sure, they've done nothing to deserve it, but we still do it. Well, we do it out of pure, unadulterated love. Nothing more, nothing less. And we know how to care for our children. Adults need to get into their heads that they also contribute nothing to their salvation or to the kingdom of God. That doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but it's true. Adults tend to think that even after God gave his only son to die and after Christ cried it is finished and paid our fine and full, that there's still something that they must contribute towards their salvation, as if Christ's suffering and death and precious blood was not enough. But what an insult that is to God this morning. You see, friends, we can contribute nothing. Our works are filthy rags, but we receive eternal life when we humble ourselves as little children do, and we approach our Heavenly Father and just ask for it. Sinners have done nothing, only mess up their entire lives. And they can do nothing to tidy that up either. But when they come to God as little children, he will cleanse them of their sin in his own precious blood. And he will give them the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Why? Well, because of pure, unadulterated love. Nothing more and nothing less because he knows how to care for his children. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because he is a good, good father. If you're not yet saved, friend, understand that you cannot contribute a thing to God's kingdom. For by grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God and not of works lest any man should boast. The only way children can enter heaven is by God's grace. The only way that you and I can enter heaven is by God's grace. There is only one way. These children weren't brought to a religion or priest or rabbi or synagogue or chapel. They were brought to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way to the Father for children. Jesus is the way to the Father for adults. Now that the way has been open to you by grace, Friends, you must come to Christ believing and trusting and repenting. Friends, God doesn't owe us anything. We don't deserve wealth or health or strength or salvation. We're all just hell-deserving sinners. Poor health and poverty and death is a result of our sin. It's what we all deserve. But God will bless us with an abundant eternal life because that is simply who he is. He's a good, good father. Children, also want to be with their mums and dads. I can remember when our Joshua is 19 now, but when he was around two or three years of age, he loved his mum so much that he actually sat beside her on the, on the uh, piano stool when she was playing the organ in church. We tried to put him into uh, nursery school. He cried that much the first morning that Sharon had to go and pick him up early. And he held her hand all the way home. 
he simply wouldn't be separated from his mummy. We made the spare room into a toy room, somewhere where the children could go and play with their toys. Did it work? Not a bit. All those toys were dragged up the hallway and back into the living room. Why would they do that? Well, because our children didn't want to be alone. They loved their parents and wanted to be with their mum and dad. And so, friends, if we really are in the kingdom this morning, then we will be like little children. We will want to be with our Heavenly Father. We will want to spend time in his presence, talking to him and hearing from him because we love him and because he is a good, good God. Verse 16, it says, he, he took them up in his arms, he put his hands upon them, and he blessed them. Do you notice that Christ here, he did more than he was asked to do? I can tell you he's got a habit of doing that. You see, the parents, they just brought their children here, these little ones, to Jesus in verse 13. They just wanted a touch from the master's hand upon their children, which would have meant a, a laying on of hands and, and a prayer of blessing over their little lives. But you see, Jesus did much more than that. He didn't treat these children like eggs on a conveyor belt. Verse 16, he he lifted them up in his arms. He embraced each one of them, one by one. No child was missed out, and one at a time, with his hands on them, he blessed everyone. You know, the devil is behind abortion, and those who support abortion, they serve Satan. He's also behind the LGBT thing. Recently, the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir, they recently put out a song, and one of the lyrics in the song was, we are coming for your children. We are coming for your children. Demonic. You see, the devil hates the children. He hates our children, and he treats them like dirt. And he will do everything he can to drag them down to the gutter. But friends, notice how Jesus, he elevates every child here to a place of importance. He lifts them up because every single one of her children are special to him. That's how much he loves her children. And it reminds me this morning of the description of the Lord in Isaiah 40, verse 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm. He'll carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. You know, mums and dads, I would really encourage you this morning, bring your children to the Lord. He is the good shepherd who lifts and carries the lambs which are unable to walk by themselves. All day long he will guard and guide, provide and protect them from danger. And when they travel between the pastures, he watches over them. At night he will enclose them in his fold. They know his voice and they follow him. There is no shepherd like the good shepherd. He cares for all his sheep. That's how special we are to him. God is not interested in what we can do for him or what we can give him or even how old we are today. He loves all lost sinners equally. And right now he invites us all to come unto me. I wonder, will you come to him this morning? Maybe you're a parent and you've lost a child. If so, you can see that child again. But friends, you must become like your little child before you can enter the kingdom of God. Let's pray.
Father, we do thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us how special our children are to you today. We thank you, Lord, that our little babies, whether born or unborn, are safe in Christ today. We rejoice that we have a God in heaven that loves all people, babies, children, young people, adults, not willing that anyone should perish. We thank you, Lord, that the door of grace is still open to the whosoever this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you will speak on now. If there's anyone in our meeting this morning that's still sitting on the fence, still halting between two opinions, maybe not saved at all, Lord, we pray, bring them to yourself. Save them by your grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.